Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. NBA Prospects Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Rob Bruin, T. Rose, we back in the building. We feeling good. We looking good. And we here. Talk to me. How you feeling? Well, you know, looking good is always my point. Where your waves you know, at, man? Listen, they always wear your knees. That's a little bit of lint over there on that left side, though. Yeah. It don't matter. It don't matter. The lint sitting in the way. Don't trip. Oh, okay. I hate you. <laughs> you funny as hell. Listen, guys, so Scottie Pippen Jr. and Aminu Muhammad are really doing their thing within college basketball right now. Gonzaga put in some work at Smack Virginia the other day. And when we look down in the NBA circuit, the whole thing was slanted. So many teams lost. The Knicks beat Milwaukee. Charlotte beat Brooklyn. And we have so many more upcoming topics for you as well. Troy, tell me who you're looking at right now in terms of college. Who's standing out to you for a player first and then a team second? Um, well, as far as college goes, you know me. I always keep my eye on uh, Michigan State, and obviously it's been tough. As you ever going to look up another team for us? I mean, it's, it's hard to, you know what I mean? No, it's not. There's hard. a lot of teams. It's hard to, you know, when you're so dedicated and loyal, you know what I mean? That, that's all that is. Yeah, talk to us about how y'all lost and how y'all got smacked twice this week. It was tough. It yeah, was tough. Was. We, fa- we faced a tough Wisconsin team, Trice. He didn't come to play with us in no way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, it's just – it's at that period where we got to get back to the drawing board. And we got guys like Joey Howes, who's played well, play above the rim. I think he had 28 points in that loss against Wisconsin. But I think our leaders have to start showing up. Rocket Watts, I've said it. He has to start showing up. Joshua Langford, Aaron Henry. Like, we need those guys to really be productive, especially going into this game today against Minnesota. So, I mean, just get up. You know, you fall down, get up, dust yourself off. It's okay. Only two game losses. We'll be back. So, you know, Michigan State will bounce back. But uh, got a big shout-out to Mahino Muhammad, just committed to Georgetown. I know we saw that. We got to touch on that. First five-star to commit to Georgetown under Patrick Ewan. So, I think uh, I'm looking to see what Georgetown – I'm looking to see what they're going to do. They just got – they also got – Dikembe Mutombo's son, Ryan mm. Mutombo. How tall is so, he, you know? Um, I, I would have to guess somewhere around his father's height. I don't know off the yeah. top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he's around the center power four range, so between six nine and seven foot, I want to say. Um, but, yeah, I'm definitely looking to see what Georgetown has to do because they just got themselves their first five-star recruit under Patrick Ewing, and they also have about two or three four-stars coming in also. Now, that's great. Patrick Ewing, um, I think he's done a great job. He's been patient with Georgetown. Georgetown is obviously legendary from back in those Big East times, but um, they've they've taken some tough losses in in the past because the Big East is nothing compared to what it used to be. But when when I look at a team that that looks good right now, I'm looking at Gonzaga. They did work a couple nights ago. They are you ever gonna look at it? Are you ever gonna look at a team that's not the number one team? What you mean? Uh, I've been picking. I picked Illinois. I looked at Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean? <laughs> I'm talking chill, to you. Man, no. Nah, but Corey Kisper, he looked really good. He had 32 points on the night, 9 for 13 from the field. Jalen Suggs was a little disappointed. He looked like a freshman to me. He struggled. He got his shot punched a couple of times. 
uh, when I look at it as a whole, Drew Timmy as well is a sophomore that plays for them, and he had 29 on the night. So it's good to see that Gonzaga has the pieces. It just looks like Jalen Suggs has to be consistent. And I know that can be hard um, for some freshmen to do, but he's that type of caliber player, and he – He's an athlete. He played basketball. He played football. So we're just looking for him to be able to produce when we're talking about winning in terms of Gonzaga. And another player that stood out to me, I would like to say, is Scottie Pippen Jr. over at Vanderbilt. I seen some clips of what they did to Alcorn State. I mean, not a high-ranked school, but Scottie Pippen Jr. has a smooth game to him. He played with Kenyon Martin Jr. a couple years ago back at Sierra Canyon. Um, he's already scored 25 three times this year. He had 30 last night. Very patient. He's 6'1", 170, 170 pounds in terms of his frame. I really like the way he moves. He plays the passing lane. He's very aggressive. He gets everybody involved. And I think it's just really good to see a big part about college basketball is the system that you're in, right? If you put the wrong player with the wrong team, you're not going to see them maximize their talent. So I think he did a great job by picking Vanderbilt so that we're able to see his full potential in terms of what he'll be able to do. He's a sophomore. I think he's doing well. He's averaging 22 points right now as well. So um, very excited to see what he's going to do and uh, definitely going to keep him uh, keep some eyes on him. And that's what college athletes have to do. I know a lot of times you want to run with the biggest school mm-hmm. or the biggest name, but sometimes you have to really got to go with what fits your game. Have. And you got to go with what fits with where you're going to be able to fit, where you want to be able to be the most productive, and most importantly, where you're going to be able to grow. And I think that this is just a prime example. And obviously, he's fitting in well over there at Vanderbilt. So hopefully, it'll continue to work. But college athletes, you always got to make the decision what's mm-hmm. best fit for you. Don't just run and chase the name because it's Duke or because it's Carolina or and the whatever pond. Exactly. You know, go where you feel like you're going to be able to really develop. You're going to be able to nurture your game. Have a special guest in the building in position to go to the NBA. Young Newhouse legend, uh, LA Clippers radio play by play. My god, no ego. How you feeling, man? Rob, I'm good. I just want to know you're the gracious host, but like, is there is there such a thing as an ungracious host on a podcast? It like, could I, be. I'd love to this... meet an ungracious host. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people that are not liked out here on the airwaves, so you know, I just try to we got some Syracuse love in the building today. That's a fact. So, you know, a lot of Syracuse have... love in the building today. So that feels good, but we also got some got some Clippers in the house, son. I know, you know, after last night, but we'll get into that later. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but I feel good. I'm blessed to have my guy Noah here. Absolutely. So we'll jump right into the NBA segment. The Clippers got pounced on. Um, <laughs> I, I think that that's a light way to put it. But I just want you to walk me through this real quick, Noah, if you can. Mavericks beat him 124 to 73. Obviously, Kawhi's not there. He got cut. He got hit by his own teammates. Um, what are you thinking in your mind right now as you're watching this? And with this being the largest deficit since the shot clock era, which is like back in 54, 55, what's running through your mind? Yeah, since uh, the shot clock, since what, like World War II, basically. Yeah, it's crazy. The shot clock era. Um, no, it was, look, the Clippers struggled last year, too, in these 12-30 games. Mm-hmm. They, they actually got crushed in January. I want to say it was in January against Memphis. Mm-hmm. And that was another game where I think Memphis was missing. It was actually after the trade deadline, maybe, or right around it. So they didn't have Jay Crowder anymore. It was something like that. And they ended up losing by 30-plus in that game. 
Uh, last year in the 12:30 starts, they had six of them. They go three and three, and they gave up 122 points per game. So that defense, which was very good last year, top five in the league, struggled in those early starts. And so that's not necessarily an excuse, but it is like you can point to history and say, okay, they've had struggles in these games in the past. This is not something new. The other thing is it's only game three of the Teron Lu era, and you're taking Kawhi Leonard out of the equation without a ton of practice time to actually get Luke Kennard, who's a brand new part of this team, involved in the starting lineup and some sort of chemistry with those guys on the floor. And the third and most important thing that happened, at least from my perspective, being at the game, lack of energy. I mean, Dallas just came out and they had way more energy. If we're just going to put it straight up and they put themselves in so much of a hole and Dallas just, they just mashed they that, that pedal. Yeah, they just mashed that gas pedal. And from there, it was, it was over. By the time it was two minutes into the second quarter, it was clearly lopsided. And Dallas came in. They were hungry for a win. They, they had lost. They probably could have or should have won their first game against the Suns. That was, that was real close down the stretch. Dallas had opportunities. And I think they were kicking themselves for not coming away with a win. And then they get crushed by the Lakers on Christmas. They were hungry. They had actually been in L.A. longer than the Clippers at that point. We were over in, in Denver on Christmas, so Dallas had a couple of days to sit and rest and, and get ready. So none of these are excuses for what happened because, in my opinion, and I would say in the team's opinion and everything that they've said, there are no excuses for what happened. But you can at least point to some examples of, all right, this has happened before. They had no energy. As you mentioned, no Kawhi Leonard. And I think that they'll bounce back tomorrow. Uh, I think that this team has showed through the first two games. Like, this doesn't just throw away what happened in the first two games. They showed that they're different than last year, in my opinion. They, they are, are willing to face that adversity and, and counterpunch. And I think we're going to see that counterpunch in this back-to-back -back coming up. And I, and I have to ask, obviously, we have to acknowledge the obvious. 72-game season, no fans, still COVID restriction. But when you look at their performance, they shot 12% from three-point land. Absolutely. 12%. So going into the next game, where do you think they need to make some adjustments? And we do have to obviously speak on the obvious, Kawhi not being there. But what adjustments do they need to make to not find themselves in a situation where they're losing about 50-plus points? Yeah, and we'll see whether or not Kawhi is playing in the next game against Minnesota, who won't have Carl Anthony Town. So mm -hmm. it'll be a little bit different. That's a help. Uh, yeah, and it, that was one of the main issues, honestly. Uh, the Clippers' centers in the first two games have been fantastic. Serge Ibaka was a perfect addition. And Avica Zubac moving to the bench has been really good with the second unit. And so you come into this game, and both those guys really struggled against Dwight Powell, against Willie Cauley-Stein. Like, Willie Cauley-Stein was a man out there. He was grabbing offensive rebounds. He was what? slamming down on whoever wanted to get in front of him. He was willing to put – like a rabbit on a poster yesterday. He was that kind of mean. And so I would say that's going to be something that they're going to have to look into. Naj Reed started yesterday against the Lakers for the Timberwolves. If he starts again, I think that Serge could have a day. I think Avica Zubac could have a day. So that's something that you could already say, all right, let's get those guys going to the basket, maybe draw some more contact. But you mentioned the three-point shooting T-Rose. Think about it. A few days earlier, Friday night, the Clippers were 19 of 38 from downtown. Like, that was also – they were missing wide-open looks. Serge Ibaka, who, who was a very good shooter, shot nearly 40% from three last year, airballed a couple wide-open jump shots. Like, that doesn't happen. So it was just one of those days as well offensively where the Clippers were, were all out of whack. 
And so, yeah, their defense was, was as bad as it could have possibly been, but their offense was somehow even worse. I mean, they only had, <laughs> I think, 27 points at half. So when you put up 27 points, clearly it's not just the lack of execution. It's also the lack of making your wide open jump shots, and that's what happened. And leadership. I think leadership is a big thing that they're missing right now, too. And obviously with Kawhi being out, they have to figure out who's going to be the next guy in line, and you hope that it could be Paul George. Yeah, I don't, honestly, I don't think leadership was, was as much of an issue yesterday. I think that a lot of it just came down to Dallas was hungrier. They came out ready to go from the jump. And as mentioned, the Clippers did not hit open shots. But after the game, I, I thought, you know, people want to pick apart PG no matter what he says at this point. Absolutely. You know they're going to do that. That's fine. Yeah, and, and that's fine until, until he proves otherwise. I get it. But – I actually thought what he said yesterday was good. Like, I thought he, he said the right things yesterday. He said, I take full responsibility for the game. He, he took all the blame on it. He said, I need to be a better example. I need to come out and set a better tone. And I'm going to do that moving forward. Like, that's something we haven't heard from him in the past. So, to me, that's already progress in the correct direction as a team. And that's directly from T. Lou and, and the whole coaching staff. Yeah, I'll say this too. I think that is good that PG stepped up because it was kind of those one of those situations where if he didn't, that would have gave everybody extra ammunition, right? So I think he did the right thing by stepping up. But I will give him his flowers. He's been cooking since the yeah. season has started. You know what I mean? So it was just one of those games where it just happened to be the Clippers. Kawhi wasn't there. I'm not going to go crazy about it. I, I just think that it happens. I mean, we've never seen that happen, obviously, in 50 years, but it happens. You know what no, I mean? Look, and and yeah. here's the other thing, guys, is the NBA in general yesterday was upside down. It was down. out of whack. Yeah, exactly. It was upside down. I mean, the Nets lose to the Hornets. You then have the Knicks just blow through Milwaukee. Like yeah. Wire to wire, basically. Golden State finally gets a win. Golden State gets a win, but also Cleveland <laughs> destroys Philly. Like, it yeah. was one of those days where what's it was just going on? So it, I, I chalk it up to the last Sunday of 2020, and let's move forward, leave it in the rear view, and get on. Noah said enough. Noah said enough is enough. <laughs> and you, yeah. forgot to th you forgot to throw this in there. Kevin Durant got put on a poster yesterday by Terry Rozier. Yes. No, now, he did no, not. Let's get, no, oh. we're going to get right into that. The Brooklyn Wait, Nets. wait, wait. No, no, I want to hear. How is that not – how is that not a – like – you you know me. I grew up. I grew up Nets. Like yeah. Nets are still in my heart. I love KD, but that was that was a big time that poster, was man. Nasty. I just feel like when I think of when I think of poster, I think of the body to body contact. Just Troy, that wasn't forward. a poster. I feel like he caught KD coming as a trailer. You know what I mean? He already had distance on him. I put it. I put it. But, to I, but I respect. Would I respect. Want that to be you. I respect. I, it, would you have wanted that to be you? I would want people to respect my effort for trying oh, to block this respect. shot. That's what I would want. That's yeah, what I, I do respect. You see, the thing is, I always respect guys going like. I, I think people always get hate for being put on posters, but that just means that you're actually trying play for the most part. Yeah. Unless, unless you're just like Kyle Corver and do this, you know. And, <laughs> Someone just goes all in on you scrunching behind. and You're just trying to squeeze through because you don't want the smoke. Exactly. So I always respect the guys going for it. Doesn't mean he didn't get punched on his head. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. That was very – KD fell on him like a 50-year-old man after that. <laughs> after he dunked her, he said, oh, shit, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that bad. game – like, You got to call it spade. That spade. game was interesting, though. Like, 
from top I still to think, bottom. I still, yeah, I, I still think the Nets are the best team in the Eastern Conference. That's that's my opinion. Right now? Yeah, I think for the season. I, I think yesterday they, similar to the Clippers, actually did not come out with the same energy. Right. If you watch that game, you saw Charlotte, same deal. Charlotte was two. on them. They, they came out with urgency. They wanted that first win. They had chances in their first two games and didn't come out on top. So I think it was the similar idea. The Nets are coming off this great win against Boston. They crushed Golden State, mm. and they let their foot off to start the game. Charlotte stayed in it, and then they pushed through. I think that the Nets, talent-wise, are uh, we've seen KD now. Uh, KD looks like KD. Kyrie looks like Kyrie. The big issue was losing Spencer Dinwiddie yesterday. Who yeah, now I hope he's not hurt too bad. That was he's, no, he's out for the season apparently. Yeah, oh, out really? for the season. Yeah, it's a partially torn ACL, likely yeah. out for the season. So that's Health a big. Is the biggest there. thing? Health is the hugest part of everybody's success, and we're what three, four games in, and he's a top part of their second string already. So no, he was, and he was, he had been moved in the starting lineup, which mm-hmm. I actually thought, which he I shouldn't have been great. there. No, I thought it was great because now you're allowing you're you're you were allowing Karis Levert to be oh, okay. your your guy in the second unit. So okay. Levert could come off the bench. They wanted him. They call him like their manager Ginobili. They wanted him to come off, just cook offensively, get easy buckets, get other guys involved. And so now I'm interested to see, okay, what does Steve Nash and this coaching staff do to to mix, mix and match everything around? And does this make them push harder to try to go and get James Harden? Because mm-hmm. they no longer have uh, Dinwiddie in their starting lineup. So that'll be interesting to see move. When I look at the game with Brooklyn up against the Charlotte Hornets last night, I mean, I think obviously we've seen, we're seeing what we expect out of Kyrie and KD. They're playing at a high level. They seem like they're comfortable within their game. Kyrie last night had, I want to say, 25 points. KD finished with 29. So there's no question to me is if their game going to be up to par. I think it's just the level of their health. And then on the other end, you have to come in the Hornets. And when you look at Gordon Hayward, who just signed a four-year $125 million extension, you start or a contract with the Hornets, you're now starting to see him be productive. He finished with 28 points, looked comfortable within his game. And I think, like you said, I think you hit a point earlier where you said it's a system that fits his game. So I think he's able to flourish and be a, be a veteran on that team. And then Terry Rozier with the nasty poster dunk, as you guys phrased it. Me, I think it was a trail dunk, but whatever, we can argue on that. But I think that um, Brooklyn, they're in a good position. Tough loss last night, but I definitely think they're still going to be a top two team, top three team coming out of the East. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I think, um, no, you said something real pivotal right there. You think that Brooklyn is going to be the team to come out of the East. Do you mm-hmm. feel in any type of way or form that that's a slap in the face to the Heat since they came out of the East last year? No, I'm not saying that the Heat are going to have a, a, a tough year, but, I mean, think about how many how many times, aside from Golden State and LeBron James being LeBron James, teams normally struggle or have to really work to repeat as a conference champion, and it's not an easy task. And so Miami's still going to have a great year. Miami still has a great team. They play the right way. My guy Karam Butler is now on their, on their mm-hmm. coaching staff. I love mention. that. I like that. Great dude, great dude. You're not going to find a much better guy. And so when you put all those things together, I still like Miami as one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. But to me, Brooklyn with with Kevin Durant, he's proven the last previous years that he was still healthy, that he's unstoppable when he's in his own. And you get him in a postseason setting, his game is predicated still on mid-range jumpers, getting to the rim. 
he can get his shot whenever he wants. And same with Kyrie Irving. So those two have already proved that come playoff time, you know what you're going to get from them. So I think that as long as those two are healthy and the other guys can do what they're supposed to do, the DeAndre Jordans, the Karis Leverts, the Joe Harris's, the Shamits, the Jared Allens, go down the list. They still have all these dudes on their roster, even without Dinwiddie. I just think that you put those with 7-Eleven, as they like to be called. Mm-hmm. They're, they're so hard to beat because you can't stop KD when he's rolling. I think the only thing for me is Kyrie's health. He sure. looked phenomenal so far, and it's hard for me to really put that pressure on them to come out because, as we just spoke before, it's about health. Spencer Dinwiddie, yeah. they're saying, is probably going to be going for the rest of the season, so that's a big hit. Now, like you were saying, putting Spencer Dinwiddie in the starting lineup, do you even think about putting Karis, Le- Karis LeVert there now? I don't know. That's I, you know I, yeah, I'm interested to see what they're going to do because they, <laughs> they're you know so deep. Yeah, they're, they're so loaded that they've got guys who aren't even playing right now that were playing in their playoff rotation like mm. a year ago. I mean, Tyler Johnson has barely played. And Tyler Johnson was Yeah, he's been bubble. in his warm-up the entire time. Dude was, dude was balling in the bubble. Dude was hitting whatever he was looking at in the bubble. So they might now move – maybe they can move Karras to the starting lineup. They move Tyler Johnson to that second unit. Or uh, Timotei Luau Cabarro was someone who played good minutes for them last year. Maybe he starts getting more action now that Dinwiddie's not there. So – because Landry Shaman had taken his minutes. So they're, they've got so many other – like Jeff Green is on that second unit. Torian Prince had been barely playing. There's, there's so many names on this team that can fill that void – you're not going to have a Spencer Dinwiddie, and he wasn't even necessarily scoring 20 a game like he has the last couple of years, but he was perfect to continue to take more pressure off of KD and Kyrie. So, yeah, maybe it makes sense to move Karras back into the starting lineup because he is an offensive threat. But look, Rob, anytime that you make any sort of prediction or feel strongly about a team, I think it's with health in mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, I get what you said, 100%. Yeah. yeah, so – Obviously, if Kyrie or KD were to go down, that completely change completely. Yeah, because I I don't I think we talked about how much I love Jason Tatum. Like I think mm-hmm. Jason Tatum is MVP caliber player at some point in his career. Like I think he okay. could win an MVP in his career. So I'm not going to count Boston out because I know that they've got that type of dude on their team. Mm-hmm. I'm not as you mentioned Miami, Milwaukee. So the East and honestly Indiana, I thought it's been underrated. They're three and zero now. Like. The East has more depth to it than I think it has in, in years. a while. There, yeah. there are a legit number of teams that can make the playoffs. Just to uh, switch gears a little bit, just to give the few the viewers a little better understanding of you. Um, obviously, you know you did very well at Newhouse for yourself. Um, was there any pressure, you know, coming out in terms of landing your first job, and and what what kind of options were you possibly looking at coming out of school? Nah, yeah, I, I wouldn't say there was any sort of any sort of pressure other than the pressure that I put on myself, which I think everybody does when they're trying to get into any sort of industry, whether it be in broadcasting or in being a custodian. Like, I, I think everybody just wants to land that first job. That's always the hardest one to get. And once you do get that one, then moving it's forward, rough, yeah. You say, yeah, now you now you can gain some of your own momentum. But for me, it just happened organically. So you guys know Olivia Stomsky, who works Absolutely. at Newhouse and the Sports Media Center. And I, I happened to get this gig somewhat through her, just, just by timing and just by luck. And I'm very lucky and fortunate. But basically what happened was middle of basketball season, probably early February, late January, 
uh, Professor Stomsky reaches out to me and says, hey, can you send me your basketball reel? And I say, well, what do you mean? She said, just like a reel of all your ba- best basketball, basketball. stuff. Mm. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, can you tell me who it's for? She goes, no. <laughs> I'm like, gee, thanks. Great. <laughs> like, great. I She's always I'm, been mysterious. She yeah, I'm like, I hope, up her I hope I'm not applying to do like rec basketball in <laughs> at the YMCA, Central New York. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? So I sent her that, and uh, I didn't hear back for like a week or two. Then a week or two, she said, "Can you send me your resume bio?" I said, "Okay." She said, "Still can't tell me who it's for." She goes, "Nope, nope." I'm like, great, great, cool. That's all good. Mm-hmm. I had known that that was really where her all of her contacts are from, and mm-hmm. she had said one of her fellow coworkers or somebody had reached out to her with this, and I didn't have the number. I had really thought I wasn't going to answer it because I'd been getting a ton of those telemarketers and absolutely, you know how that goes. And I'd be answering them, and then I feel like an idiot. Like you know when you answer one of those and you're like, and they you hear the hello like automated <laughs> voice, and you're it's like, what? I mean, like, it just makes you feel stupid. Why did I answer like, this? Why wouldn't I? Yeah, like, why wouldn't I have known? I should have known. So I, I, I was this close to not answering, but I decided I, I haven't gotten any from L.A., so let me try it. Oh, answer the phone, and I just hear this, this big voice on the other end. I was like, hello? And I hear, hello? I'm like, yeah. He goes, is this Noah Eagle? I was like, yeah. He says, hi, this is Nick Davis from Fox Sports Fest, and uh, I'm sure you're aware Ralph Lawler, our uh, longtime Clippers voice, is retiring, and we're looking for a replacement. We'd like to fly you out, interview you, and audition you. And I like—I yeah. literally looked for Ashton Kutcher <laughs> to pop out <laughs> while I was driving. Like, you got punked! I was like, what? What's going on here? They reached out to my agent, and they figure out what time works. I t- took a flight. I'm still in school, so I took a flight to L.A., did my interview and I, I got really lucky a second time because my interview happened the day after game five of the first round in 2019. And that was when the Clippers were playing the Warriors and they mm. just controlled the game and beat them in Oracle for the second time in the series. So now I'm going in, I'm watching this game night before while I'm doing like last minute prep and everything. And I'm watching this, I'm thinking like, Oh, Oh, this is going to be good for me. Oh, yeah. Like I'm going to go, they're going to be psyched tomorrow. And so, I, sure enough, they were psyched that they won. So, I'm already going in, playing with house money. My opinion, my, my whole thought process was whatever happens, it's going to be a good experience. And so, I interviewed. I auditioned with Corey Maggetti downtown. That's dope. In the studio. Yeah, I, the first time I met him, and he was, he's a great dude. Uh, so, I did that. And since I was still in school, I had to take a red eye back. Uh, I'm not even going to say what for. But I took a red eye back to Syracuse after the interview and then I, I heard from my agent a few days later of, hey, uh, Steve Ballmer wants to meet you this week. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess, oh, that's fine. Guess I did a good job. Yeah. You, I said, where? He you said, got, see how? You, like, you, got, you got billionaires wanting to meet with you, man. You should yeah. like somebody, you know? Yeah. I was like, I, meanwhile, me, I'm like this five foot eight formidable figures going to West Coast, getting frequent <laughs> flyer miles and taking on whatever. And so... Sure enough, I flew across the country, and I got to meet with Steve Ballmer one-on-one. And it, look, most people have not met him, but if you ever do, you'll realize this dude is exactly what you see on TV. Mm-hmm. Just genuine, passionate, all of it. And so one of the things that he had, he said, do you have any questions? I said, well, yeah. Well, what are you looking for in your broadcaster? 
and he said, no joke, took him a split second, did not even think about it, looked me dead in the eye and just said, someone who's hardcore. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I can, I can do that. I can do that. Like, yeah, I, I can yeah do that. you know, skateboard, like, what do you want? I don't, I'm not sure. He's like, it's like hardcore, you know? I'm like, yeah, I do know. I know what you're talking about, Steve. And so uh, I flew back another red eye back to Syracuse and out, I don't know, I, I graduated like two weeks later. Flew to Chicago for that's a good feeling, bro. That's a good yeah. It was about two days later. I got a call from the team president, and she said, "We're going to go a different direction on the TV side, but we would like for you to take the radio position. It's going to open it up." I said, uh, "Okay, really?" And she said, "Yeah, take the weekend to think about." It. I was like, it's "Weekend? I'll tell you right now. Like, I'm good." But I played cool. I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. Uh, Sunday, I'll call you Sunday. She's like, yeah, perfect. So called her Sunday, and then I moved out. Hey, man, I definitely want to commend you for that. You know, us, like I say, us all being Syracuse people, to see your grind and see your energy to be where you are now, I think that's tremendous. But you also have the leadership, your father being in the business, you know. So tell us how that has obviously been a motivation to you, but tell me how he keeps, keeps you going, how he continues to motivate you and help you better your craft. Yeah, I mean, having it, it's no different than fathering your father into any field. You always feel like a, there's a quiet confidence because you almost see how the sausage is made. You mm -hmm. pull back that curtain, and I got to see him work and grind every day. And I feel like people don't necessarily see, they see the finished product on TV or they hear it on the radio. They don't see what goes into it ahead of time. And yeah, I got that to behind see the that. scenes. Yeah, and I got to see that, which was really cool. And so I always felt like, okay, I know what I have to put into this to get the output that I'm, so that always helped, but he's always there for me. It's someone I can bounce any sort of question off of, get great advice, no matter what. He's always in my corner and he's critical when he needs to be critical. When he hears something wrong or sees something wrong in a, in a performance, then he, he tells me, lets me know, and he wants me to correct it. And that's important to me. Like, I, I want people, I don't want to just get complacent. My whole goal for every broadcast I do, certainly with the Clippers, is I want the next broadcast to be better than the previous one. And if that continues, then I'm going to be on a good path and I'm putting myself in a good position to continue to get more work moving forward. And so that's really the goal at the end of the day is just be the best version of me and hopefully the cards fall in the, in the right places. You're definitely moving in the right direction. You're doing your thing with the radio play-by-play, -play, your father doing his thing, I ain't eagle with the Clippers doing play-by-play -play commentary. So, and man, we commend you guys. We're trying to, we're trying to come in and hopefully walk in behind y'all someday. I, I I don't doubt it. Trust me. I know it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, man. I definitely appreciate the love. Before before we let you get out of here real quick, I want you to give us your NBA Finals predictions real quick. Obviously, with everyone being healthy, that can be healthy. Yeah, I still I still like Lakers Clippers in the West Finals. And I'm, I would say it's not just that I like it. It's also that I'm hoping for it. Every basketball fan is hoping for it. Because we deserve another LeBron by head matchup in the NBA playoffs. We haven't gotten it in a couple of years, and I think it would just be fun. In the East, I, I, I like Brooklyn. As mentioned, I think they're the best team in the East, at least if they're healthy, and Spencer is a, is a big loss, but they still have a lot of firepower. I, I don't know. I, I like – you see, I don't think Boston's quite quite there anymore. Like, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear you on that. I think losing Gordon Hayward was tough. Miami will still be tough. Milwaukee will still be tough. I'll go Brooklyn and Miami for now, but I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think things will, will change. But in a perfect world, I think those are our two matchups. And in mm -hmm. a perfect world for me, 
I get to see Clippers Nets in the finals. That's like an that's like an eagle dream. Mm. Wow. Y'all got some y'all got some work to do. No more fifty point <laughs> games. Troy, no don't get ahead that. of yourself. You know, because I was I was right there with y'all last year, as you know, uh, as Rob. Oh, yeah, knows. He, he 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 was on my back all last oh, year. Yeah. I was right there ruling for the Clippers. I thought they had it, but. I mean, when you got guys like LeBron and AD, it work's always going to be cut out for you. So yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. But look, I'll, I'll say the Clippers. The Clippers improved. I think I don't think people realize how much they improved going into the season. Like getting Ibaka to replace Trez was a massive, massive addition. Mm-hmm. And so now you do move Avicii Zubas to that second unit, and the coaching staff. The coaching staff's really good. Like I, I, I'm really interested to see tomorrow's game because I think this coaching staff has been willing to make adjustments, willing to have tough conversations. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's been held accountable more this year than he was ever last year. That's good. And they need that. Every and, and I'm not talking about just like a regular season game. I'm talking about in preseason. And he's even holding himself accountable. The fact that he went, T. Lou wanted to sit him in the second half of one of the preseason games. He said, is anyone else sitting? He said, no. He said, then I'm playing. And that's something that we didn't get last year. And so I think – that alone has already helped, and we saw the first two games, what, what they can look like at peak with the ball movement and all of it. They hit some more shots, and maybe things were a little different. So I, I think I'm hoping that yesterday was one-off, and I'm glad they got it out of the way in game three and not game three of the first round. Mm. Yeah, Speedy a- recovery. Speedy recovery for Kawhi, definitely. That's going to be big for you guys. Yeah, 100%. All right, man. Well, we definitely appreciate you for tuning in, brother. Thanks for your time. No, Appreciate you, Noah. And if I'm yeah, in LA, if I'm, if I'm ever in LA, man, I'm definitely tapping in with you because I'm for no, sure. I, I, I come to the West Coast, man. Hit me, man. Hit me. I'm around. You know, I'll be, I'll be here at least the foreseeable future. So, of course. It's our favorite segment of the show where we talk about many things within pop culture and some new things that are happening within the world. Troy has a lot on his mind, and I always have a lot of things to get off as well, too. Now, switching gears to what happened with the bombing over in Nashville, Tennessee, Anthony Warren was responsible and now has been labeled by the U.S. Attorney's Office as the person that is responsible for the bombing on Christmas Day. Uh, When we look at this situation, a lot of different elements to what's going on in this situation. He's a 63-year-old man, computer contractor, very, very smart, is uh, known for installing alarm systems as well too and this is a very very deep investigation that's happening right now and he doesn't have any family and the rv that was uh tracked at the site was the same rv that was at his house his neighbors have been interviewed and everyone is pretty much saying that he's a very quiet guy he stays to himself but the reason why they're saying that this bombing has happened at least one of the main reasons is because he thinks that the 5G towers are going to spread COVID-19 throughout the world. And he chose to handle the situation which he, the way he did. And when we look at this, this is really interesting because the forensic science people have stepped into such a way where they have figured out that he was the only one at the site during the bombing. I think this is just a really scary thing, Troy, because when we look at the different elements and the different things that are happening throughout our, our city at this time. It's just it's just scary to know that somebody could have something like that heart on their heart to do something like that during a holiday time to, you know, hurt and impact so many different people. Yeah, I think it's definitely scary, especially a time where people are supposed to be enjoying themselves, enjoying their family and spreading love. This happened Christmas morning. So I think 
you know, my my goal isn't to judge anyone's belief mm-hmm. on what he thinks about COVID, but I think when your beliefs and your actions affect the people around you, I think that's where you have to consider it a selfish act. And obviously, um, the person of interest died or I mean, he died in the mm-hmm. in the explosion. But I think it's just scary to know that someone could have so much hurt, so much anger, so much pain on their heart. And in doing that or in expressing that, they're willing to hurt, injure, or kill people um, in the process. And I think that we have to do a better job of expressing our thoughts, expressing our minds. And of course, I definitely want to send a prayer to anyone injured or hurt in this in this situation because it's definitely a scary, scary situation, a scary sight to hear. We had instances where things have gone like this. We saw the bombing some year, years ago at the um, at the 5K run or at the marathon run in Boston. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are these are instances that our country has seen before. So I think um, we're definitely going to have to respond. Um, it's going to be a lot more investigation going into it, but big big prayers and big shout out to the people that were that were injured in this melee. Absolutely. Now, when we transition gears into our daily takes on power, tell me what you thought about what happened this weekend and uh, did anything in particular pop out to you? By far, and I say by far, the best episode of power since it's returned okay this week. by far b- between action between your back just being put against the wall in tight situations whether you're Kane whether you're Tyreek whether you're Auntie Mary um I mean it was just so much build up and you know obviously my guy uh, uh the basketball player Zeke. I can't think of his Zeke he's stuck in a, a tough situation between wanting he's to be a ball his player mouth too much you talking yeah, too you much know, wants to be a ball player. He's involved with the with the whoopty wop. We don't want to give any spoilers, but you know, he, he got he got a lot on his hands right now. No, think, we dropping spoilers. Cause we know, watched think, it. So I think it's just a yeah. it's a build up. It's a it's a boiling pot. And I think it's just starting to overflow a little bit. But hopefully in this next episode, someone, particularly probably Tariq, will be able to get a grip on things and hopefully get some control because right now it's just it's in disarray right now. Yeah, when I look at everything that's happening as a whole, it's interesting to see how Davis, Tariq's lawyer, is trying to maneuver now. And then now we pivot back and bring Tamika, which is now Tariq's new lawyer, back into the situation when Tasha has originally fired her from being her lawyer. So I think that Tariq is really trying to step in and be the young man that he's supposed to be. He doesn't want his mother to go to jail, so he's looking like he wants to take the rap for that, which... I'll be honest, I think he should. You know, his mother shouldn't be in jail for something he did, but it's a tough situation. You know, you chose to shoot your father, so his father told him, once you make this decision, there is no going back. And I think and I think we have to acknowledge, too, there's a lot on the line, especially when you look at, oh, yeah. you know, when you look at the longevity of their family. Their goals that Tyreeks has to set for them to live the life of comfort, for them to get some the, the family jewels, the family money, there's goals for Tyreek to meet. So how does how does he accomplish that if he's in jail? That's so the that's that, the other side to it, so which think, is why I he think, needs to stay out. But I don't know if he will. So I think that's an important piece. Like I think it's great that he's a man and he's acknowledging everything that he's done and taking full responsibility. But I think when you look at the other side, if he now goes in and his mother comes how's out, how's the family gonna eat? How's the family gonna be good? So I think that's what I'm looking to see and how that plays out. 
So let's let's make some quick predictions with with a turn in the way that this last episode can go. Does anybody die? If so, who? And do you think Tariq ends up testifying for real this time? Well, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. He, oh, you gonna tell Tyreek, me? You saw it. Tyreek's Tyreek's gonna go up there and pull pull the sheet over Sax's face because now yeah, don't don't that. don't don't sleep. Tyreek still got a spade in his pocket with. Sax. Oh yeah. Because I've seen that sleep. little smirk in the spoiler like, alert. Like, don't sleep. He still yeah, got a spade that. in his pocket. So I think that that's going to be a breeze. I do think Tasha is going to get out. But I think the confusion is, if, is it going to come at the expense of Tyree? And I think a lot is lying on, one, what happens when he gets on the stand. And two, the way he handled things so ghostly. Like he broke off the bread for the lady and just said, just, mm. just, just, just blow I'm in the wind. glad you touched on that. I'm just, glad just you touched on that. Just blow in the wind. And that's what he did. So I think um, he's really starting to understand how, how to play the game. Moved, yeah, now he gets it. So I think that it's, it's always going to be designed for him to win in the end, but there's going to be people that's going to get hurt in the midst of that. So we're going to have to see how it plays out. I think the biggest part for me, something that we didn't hit, was that the episode was labeled Monster. I think Tyreek is really starting to understand like what you're saying, who he really is, and that shootout. That happened with Monet and her family. How Tariq was able to step in, save Diana, but still have some beef with Monet because he owes her money for the re-up. So I think it's it's a sticky situation because once again, power puts everyone in a situation where we still need each other. So I, I can't wait to see how that plays out. If Monet is really just going to, you know, let him slide and not give that money back to her or, you know, just be happy that he saved Diana. And it's crazy because Kane pulled up like a minute late, literally, and he had the intention of saving his family. But when his mother put that gun to his head, I think that that's really the last straw. I don't think that Monet wants to see him back in the family. She's already telling her kids and his brothers and sister not even to say his name in the house. So I think Monet's in a real tough space right now. And then on top of that, Drew gets shot. So she's really naked in the game right now with Lorenzo being in the pen. And what? Who, who's the muscle she has now? Tariq? Tariq isn't going to risk it all for her. He's just trying to use her to get his bread, right? So, um, yeah, Power has some work to do, but we, we're going to see what they do um, in terms of next week. Most definitely, most definitely. I'm looking forward to that. All right, man. Troy, just, just tell the viewers, man, how you feeling what you want them to do, how they can stay connected with us, and, you know, maybe a couple things they could do to stay in tune. Listen, Apple, Spotify, mm -hmm. you can follow us on IG individually at It's Rob Bruin, T Rose underscore 9966 or Troy Rose, NBA Prospects underscore Believe. Do what you need to do to become a believer. We appreciate all the love. We appreciate all the support. And we continue to give y'all content that y'all can continue to like and love. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.